OTB GAA. And he threw his famous painted dummy hand pass because he was a big handballer with his right hand and I literally moved into another parish. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Last Star of Tonight's Off the Ball, where we look back on some of the best pieces from our shows across the last week. Newcastle manager Eddie Howe has defended the club's decision to go to Saudi Arabia for a training camp in December, insisting that it's purely a footballing backdrop. The, new, the uh, Newcastle boss also played down suggestions by uh, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp that Newcastle have no ceiling to their spending. Journalist Philippe O'Claire spoke to Joe Malloy about Howe's comments on Klopp and also the possible revival of the the European Super League project. Who were the first to jump off? Yeah. The first club, I believe, was Manchester City. Uh, the second was Chelsea. And then the other English club said, you know what, actually, no, that's not such a good idea. We apologise to the fans and so forth. So we can't do business with those people. We need people who would be willing to go, you know, as Florentino Perez um, would do, uh, to go head on and, and defy the supreme authority in European mm. football, which is UEFA. Mm. With, by the way, uh, the support in the back, we should never forget about that because it's something which is unsaid. But the, okay, I'm saying it, that's the way I read it, but the yeah. support of FIFA and Jenny Infantino. Okay. Did that against a, UEFA. A whole other layer to this thing. Well, we'll mm. see how it goes. I mean, um, I suspect it'll be a slow plot this time as, as opposed to a big explosion in 24 or 48 hours. Uh, before you go, it's been an odd uh, couple of days in English football. We had... What honestly I thought was an innocuous-ish Jurgen Klopp press conference on Friday, which yep. seems to have uh, drawn a very stern response from Man City to the point where the briefings were that, you know, Klopp was borderline xenophobic and he's talking about taking legal action on that front now. Jeez. And then, uh, yeah, we had... Well, I don't know to what extent Eddie Howe felt insulted, but certainly when he was asked about Klopp's behaviour on the sideline, I mean, David Moyes made the point, well, look, we all behave like that sometimes, etc. But Eddie Howe went for the old, well, look, think of the children and I try not to behave like that uh, routine. Uh, so I would think uh, Pep and, and Howe, are, have they been insulted here by Klopp? That, like, are they, are they, well, he's, he's diminished our like achievement or, or what is this? They don't like the truth being yeah. said. They don't like their clubs, don't like the truth being said. Um, they're both. I, I wish we could pre-record this because, to be honest, I'm, I'm going to shut up at this point because what I think about these two men in particular, I don't think should be said on radio. My opinion of them is very, very low. Mm. Eddie Howe, I think his utterances were totally unacceptable, demonstrably false. He also had the cheek to say that uh, Newcastle United spending. Uh, over the last year was in sync with the rest of the Premier League when Newcastle United has spent £240 million net net in a single calendar year, which is more than anybody else. And he has the cheek to say that. And then he's the servant of a dictatorship. Whether he likes it or not, whether he realises it or not, he's a man who is put in front of the cameras and in front of a team and in a dressing room, supporting a project which is driven by a dictatorship and a murderous dictatorship. And he's not responsible directly for the what the Saudi regime is doing. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that at least show a little bit of, uh, I don't know, reserve. Um, 
It was quite. It was, it, was, it was quite something. To, Unbelievable! To, to, it's, it's to jump on the moral high ground. To jump on the moral high ground over something. I, 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 so I have no words. I have no words for it. And I think almost every single football fan I've been talking about, talking to, and um, including some Newcastle United supporters, find it very difficult to to swallow that. I don't think it would be a problem if Eddie Howard came in front of the cameras and said, we've got loads of money, we're spending it as we see fit and we respect FFP. I would say, yes, fine. That's absolutely right. You've got, do what you want. You know, we can have our opinion. That's absolutely fair. Um, and don't start giving lessons of ethics to Jorgen Klopp about how to behave as a manager. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I I, I uh, to be honest, I, I I want to shut up here because I am so incensed by that, and I think many many people are incensed by that. At least have the decency to shut up at times. We know who pays your players. We know who pays your salary. We are fully aware of what kind of regime we're talking about. You are owned by a nation state. This is not the case for Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp went overboard did things that he shouldn't have done, will be punished, apologized, absolutely fine. Don't take the moral high ground because you really, you know, you're a midget compared to this man. Apologies. I mean, this, these are strong words, but the words that I have forming in my mind are much, much stronger than that. Let's hear from Vinnie Perth. He was our guest on OTBMs. You had to be there this week. Uh, basketball and rugby both featured in his selections while his best ever football performance was from an Irish midfielder. If you remember in the first minute, he, he just nailed Mark Overmars <laughs> and he didn't get booked and he didn't get booked in the whole game. Right. He didn't well, get booked at no, all. No. Remember Yap Stam's tackling him going into the goal? Then? Just in, in, yeah. in the build up for the yeah. goal. And um, I remember uh, Mark Van Bommel and him went up against each other and it just he, he just had him on a piece of string. It was like a, a toy. Couldn't happen to a nicer fella. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, it, like, it's funny. We, we now, the, the Roy that we know now, it's. Um, because I grew up sort of a Liverpool fan, but I was always quite neutral in terms of even to this day, who I like, who I didn't like. I never had a real love for Roy Keane. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it was, but that day, I remember uh, it was the old Lansdowne as well. So you we were up in that old sort of main stand, and. The, the atmosphere was obviously we were expecting to be teams like Holland at the time when you yeah. think of where we stand now or over the last sort of 10-12 years but I think Roy he had this um, we all people have different views of Roy Keane in terms of how he played but he had this calmness about him I know the game ended fran frantic as in the Dutch had 6-7 forwards on that stuff but if you actually go back to the game he was so controlled and measured and everything he was so he was calmness was personified mm. his passing range um, went to slow the game down and also what he never really got, gets the credit for when people talk about Roy Keane the player his ability to make uh, breaks into the box and in behind people and, and that stretches midfields and particularly the way the game was played then nearly 4-4-2s four, four um, I remember one time he made a run in behind it was in behind Stam and McIntyre over hit the ball goes to the end line and like the crowd went quiet and you could like you could hear Roy nail a McIntyre and like McIntyre the usual they yeah, yeah. Up years later and yeah no they obviously <laughs> made up as as it developed but his performance that day and um, it's the, the tragedy of what we knew was going to happen in Saipan yeah, like yeah and, and, and that's the, the killer part like 
Um, he obviously had such high standards, but I don't think if he didn't have them standards, Ireland would have won that game. Mm. Roy Keane against uh, the Netherlands, and as I was saying to Vinny, like we we've forgotten about the hole that we never replaced after Roy Keane. Our midfield has never really been that great since. Now he's one of the best players, one of the best midfielders arguably to ever play the game. But like you look at, it's not unusual that we could. It is. We just we've never been even close. Like we've never had a proper good midfielder. I wouldn't say we've had any good proper good midfielder. Like. Keith Andrews is probably the closest Cullen's not bad he's playing the championship we've never had a prop like and these guys who can basically run a game and call the shots demand the ball and just dictate the pace of the game we've never had one since and it's I do feel sorry for Stephen Kenny and for the pre- his predecessors it has been we give out about the Robbie Keens that don't exist anymore we've never had a Roy Keane though Ah no, but sure, we're never. I it'll be. We've never had a proper hold in midfield. We have Roy Keane again, well, though. But like, do we don't really seem to have one necessarily up and coming either. Conor Coventry's doing well, but no, we, that the, the mid midfield is still so important, like so important. You look at Spurs' problems the other night against Man United. They don't have the midfielders. We just we've never had that guy who basically can call the shots. And Keane at his best way. Like I'm thinking of Yugoslavia away that game. Um, too many to mention. He was just literally run a game on his own. Yeah. Generational talent. Uh, also, probably unusual with the way football has gone since, where I wonder where Roy Keane would have fit in if it was a young Roy Keane as a teenager going to England now compared mm. to when he went across in the early Different 90s. game. Um, very different roles within midfield, mm. too. I, I yeah. think he would be such a coveted midfielder right now mm. because of the work that he can do box to box. And even when he developed his game after his knee went in 98 99 and came back with a very different style of play and was able, as you said, to add a little bit of finesse to his game, a mm. bit more control, perhaps using his brain more so than his legs at that point. Ah, that Keane's insane. Like, I mean, look, you we're going to go on and on about him. But. You, you know that Holland game um, that Vinny's talking about there? During lockdown, as you know, trying to, as we were all, I was in a different place, but we were all trying to do our best to, to, to Stand, make some yeah. content when there was no sport for those horrible few months. Uh, I did a thing where I was doing like uh, player ratings as, as if it were just happening now for our classic games. And I watched back a good few games. I watched back Ireland, England in Italian 90. I watched back Ireland, Italy in um, USA 94. And what I found was some of the legends surrounding those games is a little bit overblown. Oh, totally. So, so for example, Paul McGrath was outstanding in that game. Mm. But he was on a par, you would argue, that Keane, Townsend and Bab were all as good as him. That's 94. I- I- against, in, in, against in 94 Italy. against Italy. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I said something wrong there. Sorry. So the four of them were all 10 out of 10s. Like, they were unbelievable. We wouldn't have won the game without all four of them just having the game of their lives, right? Um, so on, right? All the way through, there was always this, the myth was stronger than the reality. Keane's performance against Holland wasn't. <laughs> it was as good. It was, 10 men it, for much it, it was nearly better than I remembered it. Mm. And again, the myth of years always makes things better. If the overmars tackle and then Stam trying to take his legs in the lead up to the goal where Keane like barely it was like trying to trying to tackle a granite just not, not moving here. Yeah. Uh, we 10 men and we're like we're going to beat the Netherlands an unbelievable Netherlands team. We're going to beat you with 10 men. Um and you all you also forget 20 years on. Jesus, like we had a good in those days. We really had a good. Vinny spoke about like Anfield and Clivert and all that. We were. I was. I remember that night thinking, God, yeah, maybe we're just not able to beat Holland right now. But yeah, we'll be. You know, it's in the veneera. Now we can. We're struggling to beat Armenia at home. Mm. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, it's yeah. mad. Like, but anyway, um, on the. Don't worry uh, about now. We're talking <laughs> nostalgia. <laughs> on this, on the, fo- <laughs> on the football front, the women's national league title race is going right down to the wire. The twelfth round of games take place tomorrow. Athlone Town, Piedmont, and Shelburne, as well as leaders Wexford, all in contention to be crowned champions. Karen Duggan, uh, the Piedmont defender, says it's an exciting finish ahead.
We've got Wexford at the top on 55, Shells on 54, and then yourselves and Athlone on 52. How are the nerves? Yeah, it's exciting for the neutral. I mean, <laughs> not so great for us. Well, actually, I kind of think at P-Mount, from where we came from mid-season to where we are now, we went through such a rough part in the summer and we dropped so many points. I don't think we thought we'd still be in contention, but there's been little slip ups here and there with um, Shelburne and Wexford to make it interesting. And the fact that that's the final game of the season, um, it's really all on a knife edge for both of them. So in terms of pressure, I think it's not to deflect, but it's obviously on the two of them. And then it's kind of a, a shot to nothing and a, a hope for ourselves in Athlone. Um, but yeah, hoping for a couple upsets this weekend, but unfortunately it wasn't to be strong performances from Wexford in particular, putting five past a, a good Sligo team. And then, you know, Shells just seem to know how to win, unfortunately. You say a good Sligo team to make me feel better about it. Well, no, because well, I also I'm saying a good Sligo team because I want them to win next week. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> well, because like, I know if I asked you this question a couple of weeks ago, and or anything about P Mount, it would just be like general despair from that. Yeah, well, I would have pretended that my internet connection dropped. To be honest, but <laughs> there's actually just been a good buzz around the place. I mean, we stopped conceded stupid goals. I mean, we're six clean sheets in a row, um, which is really good. We converted a winger, Mama. You'll remember Jetta Barrel converted her into a centre back, and honestly, centre back, centre back. Wow. She's rapid, so like oh, she's so quick. She's, she's lightning. So yeah, that's been a difference. Neve Reed Burke, obviously, really happy with her clean sheets um, as well. So yeah, it's hotting up again. Next weekend's big. Us against Wexford. Shells will be hoping we take mm. points, but obviously, it's very hard to root for your local rivals as well. So <laughs> yeah, good, good crack. Anyway, hopefully, we'll start to get a few good crowds for the last couple of games. Anyway. Don't Wexford play Shells in the final day then the as final well? final game of the season yeah. down in Wexford as well. It's not easy for Shells. Shells are obviously favourites, um, I would think. Even though Wexford are sitting top, Wexford have a harder run in the last two games, probably. Um, Athlone could sneak up as well. Their run in is nice. They definitely could. And like, but that's it's so great for the league that once again we're in this position where it's coming to because it did look for a while that there was going to be a runaway winner and then as you said I mean Shells were what 11 points clear at one point so yeah it's definitely definitely interesting Um, we thought that all the drama was done after our implosion last year but it's good to see other teams kind of getting a bit shaky (laughs) (laughs) it's not just us Karen was chatting with Emma Byrne and Kathleen McNamee on this week's Koi Gig Pod. It's available to listen to now. And thanks to our partners at Cadbury. Uh, we're supporting Irish uh, women's grassroots football. And so the Koi Gig Pod uh, is giving away all the net profits from our most recent roadshow in Vicar Street, which was with Cadbury. Uh, over the next few weeks, we'll be giving you an opportunity to win a grand worth of equipment for your local grassroots adult club. A thousand euro. That would go a very long way for your club to be in with a chance to win. Contact the pod with your club details and contact Contact info by emailing the Koi Gig Pod at offtheball.com. T's and C's apply. Head over to otbsports.com for more. After break, we'll be looking at some of the best GAA interviews from the week. You're welcome back. Last Sunday, Ballyhale Shamrocks landed a joint record 20th Kilkenny senior hurling title. During the game, Cats legend Eddie Brennan declared TJ Reid the greatest hurler of all time. Controversial, if you're from Galway. And he told Joe this week why he holds Ballyhale forward in such high esteem. I think it's an argument that has probably been brewing nicely for the last two or three seasons. I think, um, I think, you know, 
it's the longevity of him now. And look, look, he, he has he has some amount of peers to measure up against, doesn't he? Um, you know, in his own club, let alone you know some of the lads I got to hurl with. But I think I think what maybe you know is is now really putting that argument very very up there. And and in my view, it it, it should be. I think he's it's probably the fact that you know with Kilkenny over the last couple of seasons, he has really upped the ante. He is you know he is the main the spine of that team in terms of a lot goes through him or so much goes through him and you know if, if he's held I think opposition are looking at him for the last couple of seasons for Kilkenny and they realise that if they can hold him they might go a good bit towards beating Kilkenny and look don't get me wrong there's plenty of quality there you know I think you know has had Richie Hogan maybe not been as injured as he was over the last couple of seasons last four or five years you know could Kilkenny you know was when you look at the file the two of them provided for each other in 2014 and 15 so um, in that regard, I think the fact that Kilkenny have had, you know, a relatively barren, a barren, they've had no All-Ireland success since 2015. And I still think, you know, year after year, TJ is delivering. Um, and, and I think that's what now is going to propel him into that. Because years ago, it was said about DJ, that DJ was kind of, you know, the, the, the main player in the attack. And if he played well, he brought the other lads into the match. And if he was held, Kilkenny were beaten. Mm. So... And I don't mean that in, in any disrespect to any other players. I just think TJ Reid has excelled in his game. He has brought it to another level. And I just look at, like I mentioned earlier, he's the lad that teams will target, club and county, you know, through league and nothing matches. Maybe sometimes in, in matches, lads go at him hard. Two or three lads go at him. And yet he does not get distracted. He does not get involved in silly stuff. And his, his discipline record is impeccable. Um, and again, He's well able to look after himself, and, and yesterday I just I think it was always a strength of his. But his ability, his aerial ability, is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think you know for young lads, if they want to look at even the first half, he got a point. How he kind of leaned in on his his marker, you know, with his hurl, and then popped up the hand and caught it. Like it's it's just it's just he's a joy to watch. In fairness to him, and yes, I do I do think Joe is very much up there now yeah. as one of the greatest Kenny hurlers of all time. Well, if you're a student of the game, and, and so I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any of that lightly. And, and how can we talk about the Rackards or Laurie Marr or Christy Ring or Jimmy Doyle, or and then into Kilkenny, Eddie Kerr, and then there's Brian Whelan, Jack Lynch, DJ Carey, and I don't know this century, whoever you want to pick out, Joe Canning, I would presumably think increasingly Keen Lynch, JJ, Tommy, I don't know, and then of course Henry. Like I think the consensus over the last couple of years would be if you said to most people, well, who do you think's the greatest of all time? They would say, well, with respect to those players I couldn't see live properly going back the decades. I think Henry sort of has that general consensus mantle at the moment. Yeah, perhaps he has. And this is sometimes, I know, look, I'm, I'm maybe contradicting myself a fraction here now by saying this, but I think that's the beauty, I suppose, is we'll, we'll argue and we'll, we'll talk about these things or we'll debate who is the greatest. But ultimately, you know, our team can't be compared to, you know, maybe the Cork team of the 70s that won three in a row or the the Wexford team of the 50s and 60s and the tip teams of, you know, yesteryear and Kilkenny teams of the past. Because, you know, obviously there's such an evolution and such a, a change in, in preparation and hurling and all those things and there's different styles of game now. But I suppose that is the beauty of it is that we have, you know, people in our communities that remember all those guys playing and they talk about them with such fondness. And then we be turned around, all the young lads now around Kilkenny, like they, they just idolise TJ Reid at the moment, you know, because... And, and, and other guys, obviously, as well, because they're the guys they look up to. But, um, you know, and, and I suppose that's 
that's what's ahead of us in the, in the winters. That's what keeps us mm. going for the next season is that we can talk about these things and hear lads talking about the, the greats of the game. But um, I suppose all we can talk about is is right here, right now. Yeah. And look, I was fortunate enough to play with both of Henry and TJ. Yeah, uh, that was obviously Eddie Brin. Best of all time, Will. Hold on now. Controversial if you're from Galway is what you said in the interest of that clip. I think people in Kilkenny would probably make more of an argument around Henry Shefflin, DJ Carey, Eddie Kerr. They've had a few over the years. Joe was just... Joe Canning is and was just so amazingly beautiful as a hurler. I you could probably argue the point that TJ has achieved more. Um, maybe Chris Ewing was better than everyone. I don't know. It, it's it, so it, you can't compare eras. I did. I did a poll. I remember doing yeah. a poll on Twitter. Who's the best, King Henry or Joe at the time? That was a few years ago, and it was more or less fifty-fifty split. TJ wasn't even necessarily that young at the time. His longevity is amazing. Like mm. absolutely, he looks after himself so well. Obviously, in his gym enterprise, which is you know pleasure in business and it's making me a better player for me Joe Canning by the way sorry Will I'm going to oh, let yeah, you know go for me Joe Canning I don't know if he's top of the list or whatever but I do feel that I don't know whether it's something about us worrying too much about number of All-Irelands and also being hindered by hype and potential Joe Canning should always be included in those conversations oh yeah like, uh, like I Jesus, I'm yeah. without doubt in that I've seen him do things on a pitch that I don't have the vision of other people if I was to do he had to be there Joe could be on two of them mm. you know like uh, he was an unbelievable player he should always be in those conversations and I he feel, was on mine during the I weekend I feel like he's slipping I feel like he's slipping off the you know we talk is, it, is that, it TJ yeah. or is it Henry or is it Christy Ring you oh, know what I mean it's like Willow Callahan our, our cricket, uh, cricket man yeah what's been <laughs> cricket hurling hurling time to fifth. find um, it's, it's a very difficult argument right because <laughs> who was more talented more talented Johnny who was Pilgrim? more talented I think, I think Joe Canning was probably naturally more talented I think, I think TJ Reid has taken every ounce out of the ability that he has as it, which as is it, remarkably important too if you're assessing somebody yeah like, TJ yeah Reed, I don't mean to make him sound like a machine, but TJ Reid is just remarkable. Like his drive, yeah. what he has done with this Kilkenny team who have not had the supporting cast around him that Henry Shefflin had. But you see, the argument is, do you defer to the amount of All-Irelands and individual awards that Henry Shefflin has won throughout when you're you know, making this kind of assessment? Do you make the eyes assessment where you look at how good Joe Canning was over a course of time where he could play multiple positions and be a facilitator as much as he was a scorer yeah. and aesthetically how exciting he is to watch? Because I think that's a big part of it too. And like Keane Lynch is going to come into this conversation as well. Hopefully, fingers yeah. crossed, he stays injury-free over the next few years. But because he's such an exciting player... And he gets people off seats. Like, look at the amount of um, moments that Joe Canning has over his career, if you want to consider him as well. Like the Joe Canning point, which goes over, that creates one of the great photographs of all time in that semi-final. At the clutch moment when Galway really needed him and where he was able to put that All-Ireland title on the end of the career and everything that he was meant to achieve from the time that he was a minor, I think that stays a lot with the collective memory of what people achieve as well. Hair's in the back of my neck thinking of it now, Mike. Yeah. yeah. But I also feel like we never, we forget about DJ Carey. Mm. you know in these discussions and it's like again would DJ the way he hurled then live now it's a different game but in the 90s Mm. and even like in the 90s when DJ was true on goal there was nobody like him he was so far ahead of everybody else Mm -hmm. you have to remember that too you know and it's like there are players all the way through time again that we've never seen that people will talk about evangelically, and that has to co- that has to mean something as well, you know. So I don't know if these lists are even possible. They're a bit of crack to talk about. Yeah. But TJ definitely belongs in the conversation. And by the way, Henry does as well. Again, it's he like does. it's yeah. not just a case of all Ireland. So I, when I think of Henry Sheffin, I think of what he did in. He's also like, going to become one of the greatest hurling managers of all time. When Kenny are beaten in the 09 final, who was the best player for the last mm-hmm. five minutes? I think of like a random Leinster semi final against Galway when. 
Joe and Henry were the only two players on the pitch for the last five minutes mm. and it was ended up a draw you know like when it came down to it he was so good like. former Wexford football boss Paul Galvin says he's enjoying coaching and open to returning to management former Kerry Grace uh, was recently um, having written a new book called Treads he joined Nathan and Jer on OTB AM this week I really love the coaching part really love it uh, certainly there's aspects of the management part I can I could take or leave I think most managers would say that uh, there is a lot there's a lot of uh, c- communications and phone calls and emails and that part the management part you know what I mean you want to you want to you want to love that you want to be you want to be able for that and 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 and, and Okay with okay with that. Do you know what I mean? And have time have time for that. I should say. Yeah, like yeah. Nathan used the word vampire about creativity. I'd say that is the part of ma- intercounty management that most managers uh, a year in are like, oh my god, all I want to do is get this team to play this this way, get that lad to play that way, and we're going to be very successful. But instead. And like well, it's Stuart Lancaster uh, from England to Leinster, from yeah, being the administrator to the guy, yeah. boots on the ground. Yeah, good experience. Like you know what I mean. I think look at. I mean, it's the way to probably do it anyway. Do you know what I mean? You look at Ron and Ron Nogara, what what he has done. I think he his career is is, is one I, I really admire. You know, he's he has put in his time at at, at a coaching level, and now he's there at a management level and he's probably doing as much coaching anyway but I remember I remember a manager an county manager a number of years ago saying just delegate that stuff you know you get, you, yeah, there's someone for that job you know what I mean and uh, the thing is I'm not sure there is for everybody right if you're if you're the physio and you need to talk to the manager about a player and the manager has delegated that to a third party you're well, not going to uh, be a very happy physio no, I wouldn't include the physio part definitely not but I would say up, up, managing upwards maybe the um you know the logistics, the logistical stuff. Definitely, yeah. The fixtures, the, yeah. the <clears throat> where they need to be, what time, yeah, all yeah. that, all that stuff. I think, yeah. yeah. And um, so, I don't know, Jar. I really don't know at the moment. Only that, um, kind of based more between Dublin and Kerry now, and my my home and my 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 home clubs and Kerry and family have been a big priority for me this year. And we'll continue to be. We're based back in Dublin, so we're between the two. You know what I mean. So, um, what what ha- I don't know what happens next. I don't really know. We will see. There was lots of, uh, you know, like you you can't you can't keep saying no either. You know what I mean. There comes a time where you gotta say, right, you gotta move on. You gotta keep practicing. It's a practice. Yeah. It's a total practice, and I'm, and I and I and I, and I like I like to practice. It'd be more intercounty than club, though. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. The club games, the club games, exciting actually. I've seen a lot, a lot of club football in Kerry, in Dublin. Seen a, seen a bit in Mayo, and um, so I don't, I don't know really. Okay, yeah, right. I don't know. Okay, so what's this space basically? That's um. Uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of that. I think it's a bit of that. You know, there are a couple of there's been other priorities, and 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 probably to an extent there still is a priority now in terms of this stuff. And then, and then, I don't know what will happen next. There will be a Division 4 team in the Connacht Football Final uh, in 2023 and the All-Ireland Football Championship 2 following last weekend's draw for the Provincial Championships. James O'Donoghue, Paddy Andrews and Tommy Rooney chatted about whether it's a good idea to hold their inter-county draws in the middle of the club season on this week's edition of the Football Pod. How <laughs> excited were you two to learn that the Provincial County draws for 2023 happened on Saturday afternoon. 
the GAA are marketing geniuses, aren't they? Like they just know how to milk the absolute most out of their products. And that was it again. The championship draws on radio in October. Teddy's very on a Saturday afternoon. Pure class. The Americans you know, learn a lot from us. Do you remember any to draw? Do you know anyone? No. Connacht was good, I believe. They're all Connacht on one is, side, are they? I'll, I'll give you the a brief overview, right? And and some of the implications. Very brief. Tom, very yes. brief. Okay. In Connacht, what's <laughs> happened is that Galway, Roscommon, and Mayo are on the same side of the draw. Love it. Which means. Welcome back to Last Star of Tonight's Off the Ball, where we look back on some of the best pieces from our shows across the last week. Newcastle manager Eddie Howe has defended the club's decision to go to Saudi Arabia for a training camp in December, insisting that it's purely a footballing backdrop. The, new, the uh, Newcastle boss also played down suggestions by uh, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp that Newcastle have no ceiling to their spending. Journalist Philippe O'Claire spoke to Joe Malloy about Howe's comments on Klopp and also the possible revival of the European Super League project. Who were the first to jump off? Yeah. The first club, I believe, was Manchester City. Uh, the second was Chelsea. And then the other English club said, you know what, actually, no, that's not a good idea. We apologize to the fans and so forth. So we can't do business with those people. We need people who would be willing to go, you know, as Florentino Perez um, would do, uh, to go head on and, and defy the supreme authority in European mm. football, which is UEFA. Mm. With, by the way, uh, the support in the back, we should never forget about that because it's something which is unsaid. But the, okay, I'm saying it, that's the way I read it, but the yeah. support of FIFA and Jenny Infantino. Okay. Did that against uh, UEFA. A whole other layer to this thing. Well, we'll mm. see how it goes. I mean, um, I suspect it'll be a slow plot this time as, as opposed to a big explosion in 24 or 48 hours. Uh, before you go, it's been an odd uh, couple of days 